0: Welcome to the Wayfinding Podcast, the show that helps you move from surviving to thriving at work and in life. I'm your host and coach, Lauren Malik. Today's episode, I am so excited and pumped to talk to you today about imposter syndrome. imposter syndrome. You know that feeling. You're looking around, wondering when you're going to be found out. When everyone is going to realize that you're not the smart, talented, capable person they think you are. When the veil is going to be lifted and you will be exposed for exactly what you are, a fraud. The term imposter phenomenon was introduced in 1978 in the article, The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention, by Drs. Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. Clance and Emmis defined imposter phenomenon as an individual experience of self-perceived intellectual phoniness. The researchers investigated the prevalence of this internal experience by interviewing a sample of 150 high achieving women. All of the participants had been formally recognized for their professional excellence by colleagues and had displayed academic achievement through degrees earned and standardized testing scores. But despite the consistent evidence of external validation, these women lacked the internal acknowledgement of their accomplishments. The participants explained how their success was a result of luck, and others simply overestimating their intelligence and abilities. Clance and Imes believed that this mental framework for imposter phenomenon developed from factors such as gender stereotypes, early family dynamics, culture, and attribution style. The researchers determined that the women who experienced imposter phenomenon showcase symptoms relating to depression, general anxiety, and low self-confidence. Sound familiar? This phenomenon originally was attributed to high achieving women, but since then has been found equally in men and women. And I can say that from within my own coaching practice, I see this is true. Why is it that despite all our achievements and despite the validation that we get from our bosses and our peers, we still don't feel good enough? That is what we're gonna explore in today's episode. But first, a personal story. When I first started recruiting, I felt like an imposter. In fact, I actually think I was an imposter. Here I was, an arts grad, with experience only in the not-for-profit sector, who was hired to talk shop with capital markets professionals, investment bankers, lenders, about topics I knew nothing about. I remember my first day walking into the office, being shown my computer and my phone, what was I going to talk to these people about? I was just going to cold call them in their office and talk to them about jobs in industries that I had no idea what they were. I was absolutely terrified. So what did I do? Well, first, I wrote a script along with my boss telling me exactly what to say when I picked up the phone. And if I tell you I used that script For the first six months, at least, if not a year, on the job, I would not be lying. That script was my lifeline. I was terrified every time someone picked up the phone. I was worried they would ask me something I didn't know the answer to, and I would be exposed as the fraud that I was. The phone was definitely the worst, but sitting in interview rooms with these professionals was almost as bad. Having to ask them questions about their pay and their portfolios and their expertise was terrifying to me. What if they turned the mic onto me and asked me questions that I didn't know the answer to? Working through that feeling of being an imposter took me a lot of time, months, if not years to get over. But eventually I got through it. And I think that I used the tools that I'm going to be sharing with you in my antidote recipe to help me get through. So if you are out there feeling like an imposter, wondering when you're going to be found out for the fraud that you really are, this episode's for you and listen close. You are not alone and you are not a fraud. So what do we do about imposter syndrome? First of all, It's wearing down on the people who experience it. It is devastating to them. It's draining. It drains their energy. And it serves as an obstacle toward them achieving their highest goals. Even if they do achieve their goals, they are suffering the whole way. Not only does imposter syndrome affect the people who experience it, but it affects their teams. It affects the companies that they work for and it's completely unacceptable. There is so much that we can do as individuals and as organizations to lift the veil on this pernicious phenomenon, expose it for what it is, and serve it the antidote that will finally get rid of it. So what is that antidote? There are five elements to this antidote, five special ingredients that I think People who are feeling not enough in their jobs need. You ready for them? Here we go. Okay, number one, recount your skills, talents, and accomplishments. As we know, In imposter syndrome, an individual doubts their skills, talents, and accomplishments. They think that they're not valid or that they didn't achieve their accomplishments. Rather, they were a result of luck. So it's really important when you're feeling like an imposter to review your skills, talents, and accomplishments. This is something I do in a step-by-step way with all of my clients when we first start working together It's something you can do on your own as well. What are you really good at? Ask your boss. Ask your friends. Ask your siblings. What do they come to you for? What do they think of you for when they think they need help with something? What are you uniquely good at? Review the stories of your accomplishments from your career and go through them step by step to see what you did to achieve those goals. Once you count your skills, talents, and accomplishments, you begin to realize that, yeah, maybe I did achieve some things in my career. Maybe I did deserve some of the success I've had. I think one of the biggest problems with imposter syndrome is that external validation does not really work as an antidote. Someone else can tell you, you're awesome. What are you thinking? You're so good. Come on, get over it. You know you're good. But it has to come from within. It has to come from an enhanced self-belief of what you are capable of and what you are good of. And that comes from evidence that you pull up from your own background, from your own history, and go through step by step. So that's step number one, recount your skills, talents, and accomplishments. Ingredient number two in the antidote for imposter syndrome. Practice shifting the perception of your talents. What does that mean? Here in this step, we get into the difference between having a fixed and growth mindset. In the fixed mindset, people believe that their talents are inherent to them. You either got it or you don't. You're either good at something or you're not. Whereas the growth mindset looks as talents as things which can be developed with practice and over time. I think one of the major underlying factors of imposter syndrome is that people believe that their talents are fixed. They either have it or they don't. Whereas what we see are that people's talents are developed over time and through practice. When I sat down at that desk with that phone in front of me and that script in my lap on that first day, was I the best at cold calling? Was I the best at asking questions to engage people on the other side of the line? Was I the best at redirecting conversations when I didn't know the answer? No. Were those talents inherent in me? No. I learned over time. I grew over time. I grew by getting feedback from my boss. I grew by seeing what worked and what didn't. So when you are trying to beat back imposter syndrome. You have to shift how you perceive talents. They are not something inherent. They are things that grow with practice, just like learning to play an instrument or learning to bake sourdough bread. You cannot expect to be good at the beginning. You can only commit to learning. So ingredient number two in the antidote to imposter syndrome, embrace learning rather than feeling like you have to be an expert. Ingredient number three in the antidote to imposter syndrome. Identify your inner child and talk to them as though you are a loving parent. Screech sound. What? What is she talking about? That sounds so esoteric. I know it sounds esoteric, but it's actually really simple. One of the key ways to get around imposter syndrome is to learn how to comfort and talk to yourself as though you were a loving parent. Because I guarantee you, under your sense of being imposter, is the sense of a child who feels they are not good enough. A child who is afraid. A child who is you. So when you are trying to circumvent this syndrome, you need to go inside. You need to envision who you were when you were seven years old and you were afraid of making mistakes when you raised your hand in class. You need to see, as I did, that eight-year-old child who totally messed up her keyboard recital, played one note, looked around terrified, and ran off the stage. Within you is a memory that you have as a child a feeling like you weren't good enough or that you were going to mess up you need to meet that inner child you need to put your arms around it you need to tell them that it's going to be okay you need to tell them that they are worthy regardless of what they accomplish in life regardless of if they fail or if they succeed and that is the true inner work that transforms this syndrome Give it a try. Let me know how it goes. Number four, seeking out and requesting mentorship. This is now taking the focus from internal work to external action. And I think this is really, really important in counteracting imposter syndrome. Nobody learns alone. Nobody learns how to be better by just hanging out on their own. If you want to get around imposter syndrome, you need mentors, you need to access professional networks, and you need to build a team of support around you. This is key, and in my clients who I have seen blossom and move away from imposter syndrome into embracing where they are and their growth in the moment, They have leaned into mentorship, they have leaned into professional networks, they have made requests at work to have a mentor, to engage a mentor, and they have relied on those relationships to help them grow. If I look back on my own movement from feeling like an imposter to feeling confident, it was the mentorship of my boss, Faith Oreck, who helped me get through there, as well as all my colleagues who reminded me, who taught me, who coached me, who gave me tips on how to be on the phone and how to let go of needing to know the answer. That's what got me through, mentorship. So if you are feeling a little bit lost and like an imposter, like you don't deserve to be there and you don't always know what to do, one of the best ways to circumvent this is to bring on a mentor. And finally... Number five. This one is also external, and this one is also to a large degree in your control, although to some degree not in your control. So what is number five in the antidote to imposter syndrome? Requesting feedback. Listen, we can't control our bosses. Some of you have well-trained, emotionally intelligent bosses who are focused on developing you and helping you, and many of you don't. Let's be real, we can't count on our bosses to always offer us what we need, but what we can do more of is request feedback from them. They may not offer it without request, and I'm sorry if that's the case for you, but you can always take more agency over requesting it. So here's how I would go about that one. If you are feeling like an imposter, you need to ask for two kinds of feedback. One, you need to ask for constructive feedback. What did I do well on that project? What did you see me do that you thought was good? Okay, so that's the first one is really directing their feedback towards positive, constructive feedback. The second one is, and this is positioning for feed forward, which is how you could get better in the future. It's not asking, what did I do wrong? Instead, I would position it as, what can I practice for next time? So those are two ways to request feedback. One is, what did I do well in and fill in the blank, in the project, in the phone call, in the meeting, and whatever. And number two, what can I practice for next time? Then, once you get that feedback, close your eyes, go to that internal place, and love up on that child. Got it? So, let's review. We have five steps, or five ingredients, in the antidote to imposter syndrome. Number one, recount your skills, talents, and accomplishments. Number two, shift your perception of how talents are developed. Number three, love up on your inner child. They need you to parent them. They need your love and acceptance. Number four, request mentorship and increase access to professional networks. And finally, number five. Request active, constructive feedback and feed forward. Thanks for hanging out with me your imposter syndrome is getting in the way of your happiness at work, or if you want to be coached on any challenge you're having in your career, either on the podcast or in private, reach out to me via my website. I'm at laurenmalletcoaching.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast or getting any kind of value out of it, please leave me a review and subscribe. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.